This is R.J. Rushdoony, Easy Chair Number Four Twenty Six, January the Seventh, Nineteen Ninety Nine. Tonight, Douglas Murray, Mark Rushdoony, and I will be discussing a subject related to our previous one, which. Uh, I trust you found interesting. Uh, it was on modernism. Tonight we shall discuss atheism. Now, atheism means literally a no theism, a theos, God. It goes back to the Greek and it means no God. And it is a belief that there is no God. Perhaps atheism is more common now than it was a couple of generations or more ago, but uh, in reality it is not commonly affirmed today. People don't call themselves atheists because they are against certainty. If you say you believe there is a God, oh, how do you know? How can you be so sure? If you say there is no God, the same reaction is forthcoming. So these people avoid criticism as atheists by calling themselves agnostic. They don't know, in other words, going to the literal meaning of the word. So they avoid the reproach and uh, the criticism of atheism, but it is nonetheless prevalent. Now, Psalm 14 deals with the subject, and I'm going to read at least a portion of it. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord. There were they in great fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous. Well, the Bible is very plain spoken. To say that there is no God is the mark of a fool. Everything declares the Creator. It is impossible to give an adequate explanation of anything apart from the premise of an all-wise, omnipotent, all-powerful God. So, first of all, the atheist, according to Psalm 14, is a fool. Then, he is described as someone who is depraved, altogether filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. 
So it passes a very clear and sharp judgment on the atheist. Then have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge, because what do they do? They assume, because there is no God, they can do as they please. They eat up my people as they eat bread. But of course, then the psalm goes on to speak of the fact that they cannot escape the inner condemnation of God. Then were they in great fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous, and so on. So, atheism is a very, very common opinion, less commonly uh, expressed now than in some previous generations. But the practical assumption that there is no God prevails with a very high percentage of people. Now, there is avowed atheism, whether avowed publicly or privately, as with these agnostics, and there is uh, implicit atheism. A great many people who call themselves churchmen, Christians, are atheists because they live from one end of the week to the other as though there were no God, no judgment, that you can do as you please. And they will tell you it's a dog-eat-dog world, that, uh, which in certain ways it is, but they will assume there is nothing in the world except this uh, vicious uh, self-destruction on the part of men. So we need to be aware of the fact that atheism is very prevalent. It marks our educational systems from grade school on up to the university and graduate school level because all their teaching eliminates the fact of God. They will not acknowledge him. It's like trying to learn how to read by denying the alphabet. It's impossible. So the fool is the one who says in his heart, there is no God. Now, to go a little further with this, the atheist is unwilling to face up to the fact that the world is a world of meaning. After all, why education if there is no meaning, if there is no order, no consistency? At every turn he finds there is a witness to the power, wisdom, and purposes of the Almighty. But he will not acknowledge this. He is insistent that everything is without meaning because there can be no meaning since there is, on his premise, no God. I believe it was uh, Camus who said if we could find one fact in the universe that had meaning, 
we would have to admit there is a God. And so, of course, he refused to admit there was one fact in all the universe that had any meaning to it. Now, as we pursue the subject of atheism further, uh, first, uh, let's get your observations on it, uh, Douglas, and then Mark. I was wondering if you could uh, define agnostic for us in the classical uh, uh, sense. Agnostic, ah, as in atheism, no. Gnostic uh, is a word that comes from uh, the Greek word for knowledge. And the Gnostics were those who laid uh, super claims to higher knowledge. So an agnostic is one who says there is no knowledge possible. Who but he means, of course, with respect to God. Who are the, uh, uh, probably the most famous uh, uh, atheists uh, in history? For instance, uh, uh, well-known such as Madeleine Murray O'Hare and, and others before her. Have there been any others in, in previous generations? Well, there have been a great many, but a good many of the prominent atheists actually uh, would profess agnosticism. Voltaire was famous for his uh, marked hostility to uh, Christianity. He really was an atheist, but he never would admit to that. He professed that there had to be some kind of supreme being but uh, emphatically, he could in no way resemble the biblical God. So a good many of the prominent uh, agnostics uh, have uh, hedged their bets, as it were. They're willing to admit, well, there can be a God, but of course we have no evidence for it. Isn't an agnostic really a... Uh a de facto atheist because he refused to acknowledge God? So Practically, the agnostic is an atheist, yes. He's uh, simply laying claim to a certain modesty. The atheist and the believer claim to know. I uh, wish I knew, but I don't. That's his position. It's also an easy way to avoid a discussion because says all your all your ideas about God are worthless because it's impossible to know. Yes. So he's, and it's, in effect, it's a way of cutting off all discussion of the matter. It's a way of saying no one has an intelligent position except myself. And I have an intelligent position because I refuse to believe or disbelieve. Actually, he is a disbeliever. What was the, uh, do you think, is the root cause of the atheism, atheism professed by the Marxists, uh, Marx and Lenin? Well, uh, Marxism represents the older world of thinking in that it is atheistic. Uh, Marx believed in uh, dialectical materialism. He believed that everything is ultra 
ultimately matter and therefore mind could not exist and God could not exist. So this was a, um, uh, seemed to be a cornerstone of uh, communism and uh, I'm just wondering why they, they chose that particular route because many uh, successful empires have been based on the premise that let the people have whatever religion they want as long as, you know, following the pattern of Rome, people can worship whoever they want as long as they they uh, uh, consider uh, what, whichever Caesar was in power at the time the, the ultimate authority. The thinking of the last century, and in fact since the French Revolution, the progressive direction of thinking, was in terms of a very thorough-going and hard materi materialism. Everything is ultimately matter, spirit, mind. Uh, these are uh, simply epiphenomena. They have no reality. Well, uh, because of this, the uh, Marxist position was uh, really the logical one. They could not accept anything but uh, a scientific world and life view which held that uh, matter is the source of all things. And of course, even life and consciousness itself were called in my day in the textbooks and uh, psychology epiphenomenon, not really real. They were just uh, forms of uh, matter in action. This is why uh, Karl Marx reserved his most uh, violent antipathy uh, in, uh, against uh, a fellow uh, um, Marx a communist and uh, radical because the man was ready to admit the possibility of mind, of consciousness. And therefore Marx felt that his concessions were opening the door to, re to the return of religious thinking. Everything had to be totally uh, originating in matter. It's ironic that the, the communists for 70 years that uh, uh, were so convinced that God didn't exist and that materialism was almost important couldn't generate any material. Mm -hmm. They can't feed themselves. Mm -hmm. Well, atheism, which means, as I said literally, no God, <coughs> is on the practical level very prevalent today. And I think most people uh, would resent being classified as atheists, but they are. Uh, check with all those who are in civil government, in uh, public education, in business, and uh, who do not apply anything that is Christian or biblical to their calling. 
and yet they may be going to church. They may be professing some kind of faith, but they find that the way of the world is simpler, so they try to get along without acknowledging that there is a truth, a right or wrong to anything. And we see this in politics, with each passing decade, several writers have late, lately pointed out, our public morality has declined dramatically so that we tolerate more and more. And uh, this certainly is coming out in the present uh, impeachment proceedings in Washington, D.C. What uh, our representatives will do remains yet to be seen. Whether they will be shaken into recognizing that we've gone too far uh, is questionable. Although one or two commentators are now thinking that's a possibility. Well, we have, uh, it's an absurd situation. We have hypocrites judging hypocrite. Uh, you know, his going in one side of a church and coming out the other side, walking down the steps with the Bible for a quick photo op and handing the Bible to somebody as he gets in the limousine. I mean, this is so widely known. Uh, I don't even know why they go through the charade. <clears throat> you will find people defending public education by saying it leaves out the question of God because we cannot get involved there. There will be a public uh, debate and disagreement on the subject. Well, what is there that we do not have public debate and disagreement on? But if it's true, we've got to live in terms of it. And if there is a God, there is nothing more deadly nor dangerous than to live as though there were no God. And this is what a modern man is attempting to do. That's why the psalm says, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. He may outwardly conform to something, but the premise of his living is that God does not exist. You, were, you uh, gave some uh, talks in Australia a few years ago that were printed in a little book that hasn't been printed in this country uh, yet called The Atheism of the Early Church. Oh, yes. And you pointed out that <coughs> the early church, uh, the Christians were often called atheists yes. by the Romans because they did not believe in the Roman gods. Yes. And so uh, Christians were once given the term atheists. Yes very widely so, because Rome uh, believed that the Senate and the Emperor were the locale of real uh, divinity. And really today people believe politics. State oh, is yes. the center of the real power. Yes. And uh, people who don't see the state as the source of ultimate meaning and, and the, as the state is the ultimate determiner are considered to be just uh, rather hopelessly out of touch with uh, reality. So in effect, it's come full circle. We're, out, we're considered out of step because we aren't statist in our outlook. 
when I was young, there were two or three organizations and publications uh, dedicated to promoting atheism. Maybe some of them still exist, but they're not as popular as they once were. Uh, and if they exist, they do not advertise as they once did in uh, various publications, trying to pick up uh, support and subscribers. Is that maybe because effectively God is, um, and, and religion is so out of the mainstream of American life that people aren't interested in it as an idea? I think you may be right, Mark. Yes. It is out of the mainstream. And uh, there has to be a return to the mainstream. It's curious, more than one writer has said there is a great deal of uh, Christianity dominantly in Washington, D.C. Many, many churches well attended, but not a thimbleful of real faith. So the form is maintained, but the reality is not there. And that is perhaps increasingly true. We have seen a steady growth in churches. Since the 60s, church attendance and membership has much more than doubled in the United States. But we are seeing the impotence of that uh, churchianity. We have a problem today in that we are a less honest era. There's a great deal of overt Christianity, but not much open uh, practice of the faith. There's a great deal of uh, covert atheism but very few openly acknowledge their atheism. Let's explore that a little bit, uh, the, the reasons or causes why people are unable to um, openly profess their, their faith. Um, are people so uh, embarrassed uh, because of the uh, criticism from uh, the general population at large, or what is it that causes people to lose courage? There's a great deal of uh, evasion of uh, open confession. Uh, consider the number of people who would be conservative or liberal in this country if there were no criticism or the great number of people who would oppose abortion, but they don't like to be questioned about it. Go on down the line of public issues, and uh, the number of people who are vocal in uh, 
expressing their support of anything that is very controversial has become, uh, well, they're afraid to be open about things controversial. Well, are, th are they afraid of reprisal? Uh, what's, what's the cause of this reticence to profess the faith? They're afraid of confessing convictions about anything. They're ready to express, well, there are some good things to be said for that, but not this I believe. Have people always been like that? No. They've often been very open and uh, vigorous in expressing what they do believe. This is something that has developed especially since World War II. What, what forces in society do you think have created this uh, lack of courage, this lack of ability to for people to profess their faith? Well, if you uh, lack a strong faith, you're not going to have much courage. But uh, there's also the fact that uh, we live in a time when uh, controversy is not popular. Who wants to be unpopular or an opinion that most of the people in the community do not favor. So really it's the, the thrust, uh, I know in the public school system, uh, they put a great deal of emphasis on socialization. Yes. Uh, fitting in, uh, not taking a controversial stand, uh, regurgitate the information that you're given by the teachers without any comment or dissent. So uh, people have been conditioned then. This is the the operative um, dynamic that has caused people uh, to be unable to openly profess their faith or to be very weak-kneed about it. Yes, you uh, are exactly right. At the end of World War II, a book was published by three scholars uh, entitled The Lonely Crowd. Very important work, and what it pointed out was that we were in the process of a radical shift in American life. That before the war, Americans had been faith-oriented, individualistic, ready to stand up for what they believed. But uh, after the war, they were becoming group-oriented, unwilling to express an opinion in opposition to the crowd that they were uh, very much oriented in what they did and what they thought by what the group said and did. So we were producing a person that we would have to say is a socialistic person in character, not an individualist. And that has only intensified since then. We have a very high percentage of uh, our population today uh, deriving their opinions from the group, from what is popular. 
so that uh, they are not persons in the old sense. They represent uh, group think and a group concept of what life should be like. As a result, you cannot expect much from such a people. And of course, we're not getting much from them. We don't have people aroused with an intensity by anything. The scandals we have had in recent years in our political sphere would have torn the country apart before World War II. They would have created a tremendous reaction. Now, they're not doing so. And I was interested there was a discussion on television and uh, there were two or three men uh, who expressed an opinion just in passing and the gist of it was uh, with regard to the impeachment uh, beginnings we don't really know what the people think they are not expressing themselves I was very impressed by their observation and it made me realize polls do not necessarily tell you what the people think but what the people think they should think what is the wisest thing at the moment to think I recall that some years ago people were very vocal and blunt about their opinions and yet at the same time they would also say what I think is my own private business and you have no right to ask me but this is what I'm going to tell you and they'd really tick them off yeah well I found in my lifetime the most interesting people that I've run across are people who have strong opinions mm-hmm. and willing to express them uh, you know not abusively but matter-of-factly but here's what I think whether you like it or not uh, I think that you know people uh, seem to have lost their courage there are some people that have taken a position and lost a job but I think that if you're going to be anything and be able to live your, with yourself you have to be willing to take that risk you have to be willing to lose a job. If the, your employer doesn't like what you think, then tough, go somewhere else. It's, it may be harsh and difficult uh, at times, but uh, uh, you, you really can't be uh, an individual and uh, you know, see yourself as, as much uh, other than just a, a cog in the big wheel. Well, I think we ought to look again at the basic premise of Psalm 14. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. A culture, a generation that will not acknowledge God is dangerous and it's going to be in trouble. And this is what we have become.
because the last thing our society wants to do is to acknowledge God. And uh, it used to be, even a few years ago, after an election at the inauguration, the uh, new president or governor or whatever he was would uh, take an oath on the Bible and then proceed in a sentence or two to affirm that we had to maintain the historic uh, religious premises of our country. Now they don't do that. The Bible is there and the closed Bible, the oath is taken on it, and they don't even feel they have to acknowledge any loyalty to a Christian faith in the conduct of their office. I, you know, recently, if you take an oath, you know, for instance, if you're going to be a witness in a trial or something, uh, you know, I don't think that they even say, uh, do you solemnly swear? to tell the truth. Uh, they use some other language, but I often wondered, you know, when they stopped using the Bible where you had to place your hand on the Bible, swear to whom? To the yeah. judge? To the state? Who? They never said, who, do you, who are you promising to tell the truth to? I've noticed in the trials I've been in, church and state trials across the country, only a few states now will use the Bible uh, and you solemnly swear uh, in terms of the Bible. But even in those states it doesn't mean anything. Well, the state has to provide the punishment in the form of, uh, of punishing you for perjury. You know, they're, they're still establishing themselves as the ultimate authority. It is ironic that at a time when we have the most practical atheism in our history, we have the least open expression of atheism. It points to a very deep hypocrisy. Have you ever heard of a discussion among any group of men as to whether or not there is a God, whether atheism is true or not. I haven't heard a discussion like that for years and years, decades. And when I was younger, you did hear them by mm -hmm. young and old at times. Mm -hmm. You don't hear too many serious discussions uh, about anything anymore, no. unless people know each other fairly well. They're afraid they'll say something that's controversial. Well, that's the way it was in Soviet Union. You couldn't discuss anything unless it was in the privacy of your home, and even then you weren't 100% sure you weren't going to get turned in by a family member. I mean, they carried it to the extreme. Well, it is interesting that in uh, 
premarital counseling now. If uh, they do go to a clergyman or a Christian and he raises the question about what do they believe? How are they going to rear their children? A great many couples have never thought about the matter. Mm-hmm. Never discussed it between themselves. You wonder, what have they spent their time talking about when they don't know <laughs> oh, anything about the other and their uh, attitude? Are they atheists, agnostics, nominal churchmen? What are they? About the only time they think about it is, well, uh, shall we go to a preacher or to a judge? I guess they feel they'll work, work those details out later. It's unfortunate because, well, they, they claim that, that uh, finances are the number one cause, but also disputes about uh, whether or not a child's going to be christened or whether or not uh, they're going to attend church or whether or not uh, uh, the child is going to be um, introduced to a particular faith. This also causes some uh, arguments and some of them wind up in divorce, unfortunately. Well, going back to Psalm 14 of the atheists, David says, they are all gone aside. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread, and call not upon the Lord. Well, the figure uh, of uh, Im the imagery there used is important. When you eat food that's set before you, you don't think about the morality of eating. And he's saying, they eat up my people, they destroy them. They see no moral relationship to anything in the world around them. When we should recognize that all of life must be governed by moral premises. But it's the decline of morality, it's uh, elimination from everyday life that marks the atheists. Well, that should make us think, because what is it that marks the biblical believer? Why, he not only believes in God and in Christ as his Savior, he believes that God has given us his law word, so that we know right and wrong. But here, David says, they eat up my people as bread without any awareness of what they're doing. They are beyond knowing that there are moral issues involved in what they are doing. And uh, I think this is a part of our present world. The moral issues at the basis of everyday life are no longer in the minds of people. It never occurs to them that uh, there's a moral premise involved here. Or what this man or politician has done is morally wrong. Well, they don't want to be judgmental. 
I mean, to say it's, you know, anything is morally wrong requires them to be judgmental, mm -hmm. and they don't want to appear to be judgmental. In fact, that's one of the epithets that yes. uh, people automatically hurl at you. You know, if you say somebody's done something wrong, oh, don't be so judgmental. Well, the answer to that is, oh, but aren't you judgmental in calling me that? Do you refuse to acknowledge that there is a proper judgment for things? And that all moral premises are invalid and therefore it's wrong, judgmental, to apply even one anywhere. That's how we've arrived at the moral anarchy that we find ourselves in presently in this country and everywhere else. It's interesting, you said earlier that atheism is dangerous. It certainly was dangerous for the tens of millions of people who were killed by the uh, the communists yes. and their various reigns of terror in uh, Russia and uh, people that were starved to death, the genocide in the Ukraine and uh, and the other areas of Russia, Cambodia, 20 million people were killed in the name of communism. I mean, all that atheism uh, has probably killed more people in this century than all of the previous centuries combined. I would think it would act as a as a, a shocking, stark lesson to people that atheism that's, is not good for mankind. I recall hearing a young couple who had survived the Cambodian uh, Marxist regime, and they said that half the people were killed deliberately eliminated. And the interesting thing is that in those years you could hear references to that. Now each reference poo-poos the total number of victims mm -hmm. of the uh, Cambodian Marxist re regime. And we are progressively belittling the horrors of the past created by unbelief as with the Armenian massacres uh, the best historian in the field says the early estimates of a million and a half were too low it was two million out of three million who were killed now you read references uh, of course, inspired by Turkish authorities, as low as 15,000. So we are recreating the past because in our practical atheism, we are unwilling to acknowledge that uh, we live in a world of corrupt and abominable works, that there is none that doeth good. Well, I work on the premise of dead men tell no tales, and they certainly don't vote. So it ta doesn't take much more than a generation for the, the group uh, amnesia to set in. Mm. Well, one of the things now, too, that makes life difficult is you cannot tell the truth without penalty. For example, if 
My brother and sister-in-law told the truth about their work in the Balkans. And if it got any public notice, they would probably be barred both by the countries there, the UN, and our State Department from re-entering. So we get a progressively uh, whitewashed picture of the world and of our involvement in the world. When you realize how many countries have our troops, it could be as high as 50 or 60, mm -hmm. all over the world. What are they doing there? What are they defending? Certainly not Christian morality. And not the vital interests of the United States in the vast majority of cases. They never enumerate the, the vital interests of the United States. Have you ever heard any? The only, the only, uh, the only fellow who ever uh, came right out and said something was uh, Baker, the Secretary of State under Reagan, where he said we're uh, the free flow of oil at market prices, and that's the only thing that I've ever heard that even close to a vital interest of the United States. But the, that, that phrase is always invoked by the president before he illegally declares war against somebody without the consent of Congress. How many countries of Africa have American and UN troops? Quite a few. What are they doing there? We've seen massacres there. And what have our troops done? We've, we've, there's been more mischief and we've gotten into more trouble by having them in most of these countries. And in uh, almost every case, it turns into a debacle in Somalia and everywhere else. Uh, there seems to be no particular point to it mm -hmm. other than uh, once they commit them, uh, with a very hazy or poorly defined uh, purpose, they feel that they can't uh, change their mind and uh, pull them out before any real harm is done. They're always criticized for not uh, having an exit strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's a, uh, a question that every American should ask themselves is what are they doing there? What was their entrance strategy? Well, it's easy to get balance it. Of pow balance of power politics is what it is. Mm -hmm. We want to have our, our nose in everywhere and to be able to influence politics. And they won't, don't want to come out and say what their real goals are because their real goals aren't particularly noble or lofty. That's why, of all the places, you could find offenses and injustices anywhere in the world. And if you wanted to use those... Uh, offenses or injustices as pretext to going in, you could go into almost any country anywhere in the world. We could go into Mexico for the same pretext that we've gone into other countries. Well, do you, do you, would it be fair to say that the United Nations is the uh, enforcement arm of atheism throughout the world? Because that's the only purpose for our troops, mm -hmm. is nobody else is willing to send them, so the United States sends troops at the, at the uh, request of the United Nations. and. Uh, in virtually every case, uh, they're generally working against any local Christian um, 
uh, group, whether it be Lebanon or the southern Sudan or anywhere else, we seem to be always on the wrong side. Yes. Well, the subject of practical atheism is a very important one for our time because practical atheism prevails today more than ever before in history. And uh, practical atheism governs our education and our state and also the church. If the church does not recognize the law of God, it is not recognizing any binding force or power on the part of God in the world. And uh, that's a form of atheism. If God is only good for eternity or heaven, he doesn't have much power in this world, apparently. And that, of course, is nonsense to hold that. But it is the basic faith of our time. Atheism is prevalent in the churches as well as in the world. And this is why there has to be a major revival of the truly biblical Christian faith, a recognition that God has given us his word, that it's a binding word, it's a law word, it's a redemptive word, and we cannot have a good society without it. We're trying now to build a good society in terms of the laws men in Congress pass. And the laws are simply a reflection of various rather ugly political beliefs. Yeah, but nobody understands them anymore, even yes. the people who pass them. They don't read them, they sign, they sign on the dotted line, and most of the time they don't know what's in these laws. I still recall with shock that when NAFTA was passed, someone sent me a two-volume index to the law. Now, who in the world has ever read that law? And yet people will go to it for specifics whereby to control others. Well, they make it, uh, uh, they call it, I notice they call the uh, budget uh, uh, an omnibus budget. Uh, it's got so much information in there that uh, the government can pick out whatever they want to fit any particular situation, but the average citizen has, doesn't have a slightest idea what's in there, nor how it's going to affect their lives. Therefore, they can't comment on it one way or the other before it's passed. So we no longer have... Uh, uh, you know, citizen involvement in government because nobody understands how it works anymore. Well, this is a tremendous subject, a very, very important one and central to our time. And uh, a good question to ask ourselves is, Will the next generation be marked by a practical atheism as the present one has been? If so, our troubles will only increase. We need to confront men in and out of the church with the 
deadly and corrosive effect of their atheism. We need to point out that churchmen who deny the law of God are practical atheists. That if we deny the fact that you cannot remove God from the life of a country without disaster, uh, that any such effort is complete folly, we again are guilty of withholding the truth from the people. I think it is important to remember always the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. The world wants to say the reverse, that it is the believer who is the fool because he has said there is a God. But the Bible insists it is the fool who has said there is no God. And to say there is no God is to act as though God does not exist. It's not to say he does not, but to act as though he does not exist. Well, our time is about up. Do you have any concluding comments to make? Well, I think we, uh, in reviewing history, we have to remain optimistic about the future. Oh, yes. Uh, there have been revivals and reformations uh, in, in our history, and there's no reason to believe that they won't happen again in the future. And uh, your life, Dr. Rushduni, has been dedicated to uh, bringing this to the fore. Mm -hmm. And uh, all that you've done in your lifetime uh, may uh, be the beginning of this uh, next reformation. As soon as uh, people begin to search, as soon as they start to look, they're going to look for sources of information, and uh, they're going to find in your books the, uh, the start of the next reformation. I think that we are going to see a major revival take place within the next generation and a major turnaround in American history. Mark, did you have anything? Well, I think what you said earlier about a lot, there's a lot of practicing atheism in the church is very, very true. And the people who seem to be doing the most in our culture to really change the direction of things, especially on the family level, are people who are applying their faith. They're, they're not just practicing uh, Christians or confessing Christians, but they're practicing Christians and they're, they're very interested in applying Christian principles to their family life and to the world around them. And I think this is where the dynamic is going to come. It's not going to come from the church because we have to remember in the churches there are a lot of, a lot of practicing atheists. There are a lot of wolves uh, in sheep's clothing. Role models are very important. Yes. I have one thing to say. Um, remember the other day I said that the um, people fear um, the coming of Y2K more than yes. they fear the coming of 1JC. Yes, very good. Well, thank you all for listening. If you have any subjects you'd like to have us discuss, please let us know. God bless you.
and good night.